Father, thank you that Jesus has won the victory. Uh, may you encourage our hearts as we think about what it means to follow you this morning. May you speak through Kyle. Uh, may your words be life to our hearts and strength to our minds. Uh, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You can uh, have a seat. Good morning. Welcome to Creekside. It's a Dwayne's birthday today. And if you have not wished him happy birthday, you don't love him as much as I do. So, happy birthday, Dwayne. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. The last three times I've spoke, we, we talked about following Jesus. And specifically, we looked at stories uh, within the Gospel of John of people who encountered Jesus, heard the words of Jesus to follow him, and then answered and followed. And we looked at Philip and Nathaniel in John chapter 1, and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and you see stories of people who encountered Jesus, saw Jesus, saw his miracles performed, heard his teaching, listened to him, and followed him. And you can see those stories throughout the gospel of people who encountered him, gave their life, gave everything, and followed him. But there's also stories throughout the gospel where you see people encounter Jesus and choose not to follow and reject him. And so what we're going to look at today is a story of three or four individuals who did exactly that, encountered Jesus, heard the words of Jesus to follow, and yet chose not to follow. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, the foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If you read through the book by David Platt called Radical, there is an incredible quote in it. It says this, Do we really believe he is worth abandoning everything for? Do you and I really believe that Jesus is so good, so satisfying, and so rewarding that we will leave all we have and all we own and all we are in order to find our fullness in Him? Do you and I believe in Him enough to obey Him and to follow Him wherever He leads, even when the crowds in our culture and maybe even in our churches turn the other way? God, we, we thank you for your word here. God, we, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us. Uh, God, we, we know that Jesus, who called people 2,000 years ago, is still calling people to follow him today. And God, we want to examine our hearts and look at our own lives. And then would we hear the words of Jesus to follow him, God, that we may answer and we may follow. And whatever you call us to, God, may we be willing to surrender all and follow you. We pray and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
I think you can look throughout the Gospels and you can see the story. And I think Jesus, as he calls people to follow him throughout the Gospel, continues to, to ask them to follow him to a greater level. Right? You can go and you can look and you see the story of Nicodemus. Uh, you can see the story of Matthew and, and Simon and Peter and uh, Andrew. And you can see these guys and Jesus calls them to follow him. Right? And it looks early on like it's a sense of just to, hey, come, come and see who I am. Come and see who I am. Listen to my words. Hear my teaching. See the miracles I perform. Come and see. And then as it goes a little deeper, I think there's a call to salvation. There's a call to say, you know what? At some point in your life, you need to make me Lord and Savior. You need to make me your greatest thing in your life. And then there's a call to come and surrender. That we get to a place in our life where, where Jesus doesn't want just that you know him and you follow him, but he wants everything. And then for the disciples, it eventually was a call to come and die. And we know as we look at the life of the disciples, all but John, as it said, were martyred for their faith. A call to come and see, a call to come and surrender, a call to come and give and uh, die for the gospel and for Jesus. And so we can look through the Gospels, we can examine our own lives, and we can look at our own past, and, and, and I can say the same is true for me, that there's a time to come and see. And some of us may be in that place this morning, that Jesus is calling us to come and see, to come and follow, to come and hear who He is and what He's done for you and for the world. Some of us may be in a place where we've heard the message of Jesus, but it's a call to come and believe upon Him to know that He is the Son of God, that the Son of God has come to die for you, to give you new life. And for others, we've known Him, we've followed Him, and it's a call to come and surrender. It's a call to come and die to self and follow Him. So look at these stories, and I'll, I'll, I'll read through them, and then we're going to turn later into Luke chapter 18 and look at one more story. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, we, we don't know much beyond this as we see the story of these three individuals, but we can probably get a picture that maybe they chose not to follow Jesus. There, there's no follow-up from this. We don't see him then drop everything as we did with Matthew and, and others to follow Jesus. And so the first guy he encounters, he says, you know, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to come after you. And Jesus, I think like with all of us, he knows our heart. He knows what captures us. He knows what drives us. He knows what is at the, our very center. And in all of these stories, I think he speaks to their heart. And he knows the thing in, the, in their life that's probably holding them back from fully following Jesus. And the same is true with us. When God speaks to us, he knows. He wants all of us. Let me, let me tell you this. Jesus wants all of you. Not just a part, not just a portion. He wants all of you. And he knows our heart, and he knows what captures our heart, and he challenges us with those things. And those things aren't always bad. Those things can be great. It can be my kids. It can be my family. It can be my spouse. It can be a lot of things that aren't bad things. But when they become the center and they become our greatest joy and our greatest passion more than the kingdom, then they are. They become gods in our life. 
And what Jesus wants us to know is that when He calls us to follow Him, that, hey, I want all of you. I want to be at the center, not, not just to have a portion of your life, not just to be a piece of your life. I want all of you, all of you. And so He speaks to the first guy and says, listen, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. Are, are you willing, are you really willing to surrender all to follow me? Do we really believe He is worth abandoning everything for? Do you and I really believe that Jesus is so good, so satisfying, and so rewarding that we will leave all we have and all we own and all we are in order to find our fullness in Him? Do you and I believe in Him enough to obey Him, to follow Him wherever He leads, even when the crowds in our culture and maybe even in our churches turn the other way. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The same words he says to Jesus, or to Matthew, follow me. What was Matthew's response? Matthew was willing to give up everything. He heard the call of Jesus. He saw who Jesus was. And this tax collector, this sinner, Matthew, surrendered all, gave up all to follow Jesus. And so Jesus makes this same claim to this man right here, the same statement. He said to another man, follow me. And you look at the guy's response, you're like, well, that's not, he's not asking a whole lot, right? He just wants to go bury his dad. It seems like a, you know, fair request. Let me go bury my father. What this guy's really saying, it's, it's not a sense of, okay, the funeral's tomorrow for his dad, I'm going to go bury him, and then, then I'll be there. You know, I, you know, I don't think that's what's, what's being said here. I think what this guy is saying is, listen, my dad is old, you know, he, he, I don't know how much longer he's going to make it, but let me do this. Before I follow you, let me just go be with my dad until he passes, right? Until my dad is gone, and then once he does, Jesus then I will follow you. Then I'll come after you. Jesus knows our heart, doesn't he? He knows our passions. He knows what drives us. And he speaks to that. I don't know how many times, maybe you're like me, but it's always, you know, Jesus, when, when I'm older, then I'll follow you. Right? Maybe I'm in junior high. You know, God, when, when I get to high school, Jesus, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to truly follow you. Maybe after high school and I'm in college, then, then I'll follow you. you know, Jesus, when I settle down and I have a wife and I have a kids and I have family, then, you know, then, then I'm going to follow you. Well, Jesus, when my kids are grown and they're out of the house and I'll have more time on my hands and my freedom and my life back, I'm just dreaming here for a second, uh, th- th- then, then I will follow you. Right, you know, I'm just going to work hard here. I gotta save a little money because I got I gotta retire then when I'm 65. I'm gonna work hard. And you know, Jesus, when I retire, I'm gonna have all the time in the world in my hands. I'm gonna follow you. You'll you'll have my complete devotion. You ever been like that? Do we ever say these things? You know, when I'm older, or for, for some of us, it might be, you know, first, first after this, then I'll give you everything. You know, maybe I'm at this stage in my life or I need these things to happen. Then Jesus, you know what? I'm I'm after you. That's what this guy was doing. I think he's probably sincere that he, he'd seen Jesus, he'd heard Jesus, he'd heard the call of Jesus to follow him, and he's probably sincere in the fact, 
you know, I, I think this guy's worth following. But there's something that's grabbing him. There's something that's pulling him back, holding him back from following Jesus. Jesus, first, let me go and do this. I think so many times, at least in my own life, when I look and I say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready. I've got to do this first, though. You know, I want to go kill it at work. I want to, I want to have a lot of success. Then, you know, Jesus, then, then you'll have all of me. Or maybe we say, Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me hold on to this. I'm willing to give you everything, but, you know, it's, you know I just want this, though, right? Or, Jesus, I'm willing to go anywhere as long as it's not outside of the Des Moines metro, right? We're willing, and we tell them, yeah, I'll follow Jesus, but we put limits on it. I don't know what he's going to call me to or what he's going to call you to, but the question is, when he does call, are we willing? We may never leave Des Moines, but are we willing? We may never give up everything, but are we willing? And what are we? When he calls, are we willing to answer? When we hear the voice of Jesus to follow him and surrender all, are we willing? I'll follow you, but, but first, but first, let me go do this. Do we really believe he is worth abandoning everything for? Do you and I really believe that Jesus is so good, so satisfying, and so rewarding that we will leave all we have and all we own and all we are in order to find fullness in Him. Do you and I really believe in Him enough to obey Him, to follow Him wherever He leads, even when the crowds in our culture and maybe even in our churches turn the other way? Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Again, it seems like a reasonable request, right? I just want to go back, I want to say goodbye to my family, then I'll follow you. What Jesus wants this person to understand, what wants this man to understand, what he wants us to understand. I mean, you look at, you'll, you'll read somewhere, hey, if you're not willing to hate your mother and father, right? your brother and sister, if you're not willing to hate your family, then you really can't be my disciple. Well, you know, when we read that, we understand that Jesus isn't, he's not speaking contrary to everything else he says, right? We have a God of love. But what he's saying is that when you look at your love and your service and your dedication to me, it's going to look like you hate everything else because your love and devotion is so great for me that in comparison, oh, there's nothing else. And it looks like hatred. And so he's not saying, you know, I just drop everything. Now he may. He may at some point in our life call us to somewhere else. Call us that, you know, maybe I got to leave Des Moines. Maybe I got to go somewhere else. God may call me somewhere else. But what he's saying here as he goes back, he says, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. When you look at this, uh, what it was to plow is you, you'd take, you, with your right hand, uh, you'd have this iron tip, and you would have a, you know, this iron tip, st- uh, you know, kind of stick thing that you would go towards the oxen, right? And so this hand, you're kind of pushing the oxen. Well, on this hand, you have the plow. And so you, it's a very delicate process, and you've got to, you know, kind of tilt up and down with basically how deep you want to go. And so what you'd have is you'd, you'd 
kind of push the oxen and you plow here. Well, there's not really room for anything else, is there? This takes total dedication, total concentration. It takes everything you do. Now, if I just kind of just concentrate on this and I let this go, I'm going to do a terrible job plowing, right? If I do the opposite, the oxen's going to run off, I won't be able to pull the plow at all. So he's saying, he gives this picture to us that, listen, it's kind of like the oxen pulling the plow here, that I, I need your total concentration, I need your total dedication, I need everything from you. Because if I don't have it, you're going to steer and you're going to go every which direction. Now, I picture myself, you know, I'll sit down, hang out with my wife, we'll watch a, you know, something on TV at night, and I've got my computer in front of me and my phone right here, and I'm watching TV, you know, so that I know this lack of concentration, things pulling me in every direction, when all she really wants is me to pay attention to her. But that's another story, another sermon for another time. So what Jesus wants from us is he, he wants all of us, right? Complete dedication, complete concentration. He wants our entire being, our entire heart. Uh, look look to, to Psalm 86, and in Psalm 86, 11, David says, Lord, give me an undivided heart, an undivided heart. And you think of this illustration of what Jesus is saying. Listen, you, you can't be divided in here. You, you, I, I need complete concentration. I need everything to make this little plow and oxen work. Say, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you can't be part way in. I, I need all of you. And as David said, an undivided heart. How easy is it? This is my life, right? I have my job. I have my family, you know, my wife, my kids, uh, church. You know, I've got, I have all these things that are part of my life, right? And what Jesus is telling us is that, listen, at the center of everything you are and everything you do should be me. Instead of all these different things in my life that are different compartments and part of my life that all pull me in different directions, what Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, it's me. None of those other things. It's me. And then through that, all these other things flow. That with Jesus at the center, what it influences my marriage, it influences my family, it influences my job, but it all flows from my center. It all flows from Jesus. That's what he's saying. That's what an undivided heart is. That I'm totally focused and committed and devoted to Jesus, and then every aspect of my life just flows out of that dedication and love and commitment to him. An undivided heart. Do we really believe he is worth abandoning everything for? Do you and I really believe that Jesus is so good, so satisfying, and so rewarding that we will leave all we have and all we own and all we are in order to find fullness in Him. Do you and I believe in Him enough to obey Him, to follow Him wherever He leads, even when the crowds in our culture and maybe even in our churches turn the other way? One more story for you in Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. Uh, this is a a familiar story about a rich man. I'll read it to you. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. 
All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to inherit the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is possible with man, was impossible with man, is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age as in the age to come. Again, I think this guy comes to him with a sincere heart. I think this guy comes to him really wanting to know, Jesus, listen, I've done these things. I want to follow you. Tell me, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What is it? He's sincere. But just because someone is thoughtful or they're kind or they're nice doesn't mean they follow Jesus, right? And we can look around the world, we can see all kinds of people who they're sincere. They're sincere. But the real evidence of a follower of Jesus is not when we are asked to surrender our surplus, but to surrender everything. That's where this guy was at. Right? It's one thing to have a lot and to give out of that surplus. It's another thing when Jesus says, you know what? I want all of it. Are you willing to give it all? And like every other uh, these stories that we read and like our own story, Jesus knows our heart. He knows the heart of this young man. And he says to him, listen, okay? he knows the thing that's holding him back. He knows the true God in his life. And he says, all right, give it to me. Give it to me. Are you willing Are you willing? So the rich man, as he responds to Jesus, he tells him, all these I have kept since I was aboard. Jesus goes through the commandments. He tells him all these commandments. He tells him everything he must do. And the rich man says, you know what? I've done these. I've kept these commandments. I've kept all the commandments. Listen, I I know what it is to need to follow God. And when Jesus asks him to give up everything is rich, this, is a, this turns his world upside down a little bit. Because to the, Jew, to the Jews, they believed that having wealth and having money and having uh, this position of power, that really was a sign that, that found favor with God, right? And so this is just completely throwing his world upside down. His whole, whole life, he said, okay, I've kept the commandments. I follow God. God has blessed me. He's given me you know, a position of power. He's given me uh, money and wealth. Surely I find favor with God. And so Jesus, like he does, when he calls people to follow him, he flips the world upside down. And he asks him to surrender everything. Surrender everything. As we look at this guy, we ask ourselves that same question. For this man, it was a sense of, listen, he was not willing to surrender all, right? Jesus knew what the God in his life was. Listen, he, he, he didn't keep the commandments. No other gods before me. Well, this, this man had a God before Jesus, had a God before God, and it was money. Now, I don't know what it is in, my, in your life or what God's calling you or what he's asking you to surrender, but anything that we've we place ahead of him, 
is an idol, is a God in our life. And so as Jesus examines our soul, Jesus examines our heart, guess what he's going to call us? He knows what that is. He's going to call you to surrender, whatever that is. The disciples respond, listen, we've left everything, Jesus. We gave up everything. And Jesus wants them to understand, listen, this, this rich man, he's going to experience wealth and power and position in this life. But it's not about this life, isn't it? He says, you guys are going to experience so much more. This full and abundant life. And what Jesus is offering the rich man says, listen, for now and for a time you can experience wealth and position and power. But I want you to experience the full and abundant life that comes with surrendering to me. That comes with following me. That comes with being willing to give up everything to me. I think my favorite line in any movie is from Braveheart, William Wallace, where he makes the statement, all men die, but not all men truly live. I think as we look at the disciples and their pursuit of Jesus and what Jesus wants this rich man to realize is, listen, we're all going to (laughs) die. We're all going to leave this place. But not everyone experiences full and abundant life that comes with following me, that only Jesus can offer. And just like 2,000 years ago, as he called these individuals and he called Nicodemus and the woman at the well and Philip and Nathaniel and Matthew, and he calls us to follow him, to follow him. Luke 9, 18 through 27 says this, I'm sorry, 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, uh, that's not even what I'm looking for. 923. Thank you. I knew I was close. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose and forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes to his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Do we really believe he is worth abandoning everything for? Do you and I really believe that Jesus is so good, so satisfying, and so rewarding that we will leave all we have and all we own and all we are in order to find our fullness in Him? Do you and I really believe in Him enough to obey Him, to follow Him wherever He leads, even when the crowds turn the other way? God, we thank You. We thank You for Jesus. God, we thank you that as he called these guys 2,000 years ago, he calls us today. And God, as we sit here, God, help us to examine our own lives. Help us to ask ourselves the question, as he calls us to follow him, are we willing? Are we willing to surrender whatever he's calling us, whatever he's asking us to surrender? 
God, that we may pick up our cross, that we may deny ourselves, and that we would, may, we would choose to follow him, to follow him. God, as we, we remember Jesus and we take the bread and the juice, we want to thank you for this incredible thing that you have done, that you have given us your son, Jesus. And God, some of us sit here this morning, and we may hear the words of Jesus to follow him for the first time. God, may we hear those words, and may we obey, and may we follow. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that your son was willing to give up his own life so that we could live. Not only live, but as we choose to follow you, live a full and abundant life. All men die, but not all men truly live. Teach us how to truly live. Pray it and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, we invite you to come up to take the bread and the cup to remember him and remember his sacrifice on our behalf. Um, you know, this is really our, our time to reflect to reflect on who God is and what he has done for us. Some of us had a chance this last week to look up into the skies and to see a very real, tangible reminder of how awesome and incredible our God is. The God who has set our galaxy in place and, and positioned the sun and the moon and the earth to give us a, just unbelievable reminders of what he's done and his power in creation. Um, and, you know, Jesus asked us to follow him and to leave everything on his behalf. And the reason he does that is because he did the same for us. He left the glory of heaven uh, to come to give up his life on our behalf. So as we sing these next couple songs, we invite you to remember Jesus. Father, we praise you. Show us those things that we have placed ahead of you. Turn our hearts back to you. May we follow you in complete surrender uh, this week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we're dismissed, uh, we have a quick announcement. Bob, come on up. He's going to share that announcement. If there's anyone that needs to go grab your kids, uh, I think we're early anyway, so there's no rush. So uh, I'll turn it over to Bob, and he has a quick announcement before we're dismissed. You can have a seat. Okay, thank you. I, I call this family meeting. I'm kind of stealing that idea from a, another church I'm aware of that had a similar conversation uh, with, the, with the membership there. Uh, basically, probably three, three months ago or so, the deacons came to the elders and kind of gave us a report on how we're doing with the budget. So this is going to be uh, very interesting because everybody's interested in the budget. And actually that's true. I know a lot of you are very interested in the budget um, because we get questions about it. and We try to be very open and transparent with it. In fact, I believe the budget is posted in the membership section of our website if you're interested in, in details. So, but I'll try to make this high level but yet relevant to a certain degree. So the budget is made up of a lot of different categories. We've got um, people that are 
devoting their life's work to service of God's people. And so we have salaries, wages, things like that. We've got this building, which is a very nice uh, facility that we're able to use in many ways uh, to further God's kingdom. But it comes with some, some expenses, supplies and equipment, uh, lawn and parking lot, and cleaning. And I left off snow removal. Hopefully we won't need that this year. Um, and then, then we get into the things that we're more excited about, things like missions, uh, supporting missionaries out there. Uh, we had missions offering this morning, and then, you know, kids and youth programs and uh, just a whole host of different ministries that we like to be able to support financially and conduct here at Creekside. So I, I showed this budget idea kind of as a bucket, and these are all pipes of blessing flowing out from the various categories of the budget at Creekside which I really feel, um, you know, especially with the oversight of the deacons, we, we have a good, a good crew of deacons, and, and they're on top of these things and, and very watchful of the, the money that you commit to Creekside and that we commit to Creekside. So all of these things flow out in blessing, um, and the input is us. And this really, I've, I've been impressed over and over again with the generosity of people at Creekside. I've had the opportunity to see um, at other churches levels of giving and when I look at the offering each week and I look at the number of people that are here, personally I'm overwhelmed with the generosity of the people at Creekside. So as we go through this conversation, this is not necessarily a call for action or a prompting that, you know, we need to give more or anything like that. It, it certainly is not. And um, we are very thankful for the cheerful givers here at Creekside. So, but we had a situation in March where a number of people went to start the process of planting a new church. And as a result of that, the giving, the inflow, got a little bit smaller. Not because anybody was less generous, but because there were less people here to, to cause that inflow to go. Well, again, did I mention the deacons uh, and how awesome they are? We've maintain the same amount of outflow because of their oversight and there was a, a fund there but that fund is getting a little bit smaller so just full transparency that fund can allow us to operate for about a year from three or four months ago at our current levels of investment and giving into ministries so what we thought we wanted to do at that time we thought about making adjustments to the budget but we decided that we would rather continue on at least through the end of the year and keep the ministries funded at the level they're funded and um, with, a, with Steve coming next week, you know, give him the full support of the budget to see what can happen, you know, by the end of the year. And then by the end of the year, we will look at the budget because we do feel like part of being good stewards is managing to what comes in should really match up to what goes out so we'll look at it at the end of the year and we've had to do that in the past once and I know you know some some people were concerned and said if I had known there was a need you know I might have done something different with my money because um, people are generous and there are different ministries and that are available that we support our members supporting if that made sense so one last thing on this I because I think everybody's probably kind of wondering, well, what, what is this, uh, what's this mean dollars and cents for me? And, 
And Mike, as you guys know, Mike Johnson is a very creative person, but he's not just creative in making uh, slides and designs and playing music and stuff. He's also creative in communicating in ways that are understandable. So he popped up in the meeting and he said, well, what this comes down to is if you take every vote in the pastoral vote and you divide the amount of the shortfall by that and it comes out to $11.09 per member per week. So that, again, I, I just want to reaffirm that this is not a recommendation that you all need to increase your giving $11 a week or anything like that. It's just to let you know what's going on. I, I think we really appreciated the deacons coming and being open and transparent with the elders, and we felt that you guys would want that transparency with you as well. And so this is where it's sat for the last few months, and we intend to leave it sitting there for the next few months until we need to make a new budget for next year. Um, and if you have any questions, you can talk to any of the deacons or elders. And again, the budget, the full budget, I believe, is on the member section of the website. I hear the sound of your voice. All I want is a gentle.